The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We sit here just about dead center in the season. Um, By the time we talk again, um, almost everyone will have hit 40 or 41 games. And there is a lot going on, um, but also surprisingly very little going on. There's not been a lot of trades. Uh, The last trade in the NHL uh, was one of those ultra-rare three-team trades, and that was back on December 29th. Um, And it was three players who either everyone's given up on or doesn't remember who they are. Um, Are they players I've heard of? Because I don't even remember this deal. Uh, February 19th, Michael Delzato, Danny O'Regan, and Giovanni Smith. Oh, okay. I know Delzato. Uh, yes. Uh, I'd heard I'm, of Danny O'Regan. Uh, I cannot make the claim that I heard of Giovanni Smith. I think he's got a brother who was a Bruin for like half a drink. But I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more uptick in trade talk. Um, We've already obviously heard the obsession with where Kane is going and where, uh, where Carlson might be going. Um, There's been talk about Jonathan Taze. Uh, Bo Horvat is probably going to be a founding member if we ever if I ever get around to starting a routine segment called uh, perpetually traded because yes he's being talked about again uh, this time some of the speculation uh, at least among fans is a one for one trade with a recent very very well regarded prospect um, yeah no uh it's it's pretty interesting um, that we're not. It's pretty interesting who we're seeing connected to the Bruins and who we're not. Um, I like we've seen uh, some of the stories have Patrick Kane coming to Boston. That's mostly off of Pluto uh, Shinozawa speculation. I, don't I can. See it. I can I I don't I was going to say at one point I could see it I don't see it now with the cohesion of the team I'm trying to figure out where I mean unless the cohesion he's willing, and the success What's that? The cohesion and the success I I mean where do you fit him? Do you fit him on a third line? Do you bump somebody off the first line? I, I mean, mean Go ahead. No, I was just trying to You'd either A, be bumping DeBrusque off a line. Wait a minute. Yeah, Kane's a right winger. Kane is, Kane is to the best of my knowledge, a right winger, yes. So you're I either mean, bumping DeBrusque or you're bumping. Or you're bringing him in and putting him in uh, on your third line. Because it's either going to be. So you, you if you're putting him on the top two lines, assuming that DeBrusque is healthy. You're either moving Pasternak or him to the. I mean, he he gives you a, he gives you another scoring threat and makes you three lines strong. Down the right side. I mean, I suppose if you're going to, 
fiddle with the lines enough, you can put you can leave the Raptors line as it is, and man, did they look good last night. Um, so you'd have Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasta. Second line of Krejci and maybe it's Krejci, Pasta. Maybe it's Krejci. You slide the rest back to the left, and you put um, and you put Patrick Kane on the right. I mean, Patrick Kane is as much distributor as goal scorer. Um, which yeah. for all of for all of his prowess, and there's literally nothing you can take away from a guy who's 1144 games into his NHL career and still playing at over a point per, at, and still has an over point per game uh, total for their. Uh, uh, for in that time. Um, but he's, he's never had a 50 goal season. Uh, he's really only had one 40 goal season. He's a distributor. I mean, a 60 point, a 60 assist season screams distributor, a 66 assist season screams distributor. And he's had two of those 66 assist seasons. I mean, you can keep an NHL job with zero goals and 66 assists. Um, it might end up putting more shooting onus back on Krejci if that's the if that's the case. There's also a part of me that says I really want to see Patrick Kane and Taylor Hall uh, playing with David Krejci. Okay. Like if your top two lines are the Raptors. And that line. That means you're, you're moving. That means you're moving DeBrusque down to the third line with Coyle. With Coyle and probably and probably Zaka. Trent Frederick. So you're moving Zaka to the fourth line. Zaka has been less bad than I was expecting him to be. Yes. But if you're asking me which player I want to see on the ice more based on their actual play and their trajectory. Unless you include Zaka in the deal that brings Kane to the Bruins. I'm not saying he's going to sway the deal one way or another, but if you include him in the deal. That that could work. But I problem. think Trent Frederick has more to offer that line than, than Zaka does. Yes, yes Zaka but how is much? probably faster. But how much is Trent benefiting from being on a line with Taylor Hall? You know, I think that he's more. And I've I've said this, uh, I've said how much I respect and am baffled by how much Taylor Hall is underrated as a player. Mm hmm. But I think for a winger, it's as much your center as it is the other winger, Um, particularly for a young player who's still finding his equilibrium in the league. Um, So, yes, I love what I what I've dubbed the paint job line of. um, Of Hall. Coyle and Frederick, and I would not cry if they stayed together. 
but as much as I'd love to see Patrick Kane wearing black and gold, I don't see it, it happening. I don't see it happening. I'm. I don't know if it's. I mean, part of me thinks it's because <clears throat> the GM doesn't have the um, fortitude to to pull off the deal. Part of it is because I think it would be. And the other part is, of course, that I think both of us agree that it would be a big disruption to team chemistry. Not necessarily because Patrick Kane would come in and you know be wearing one of his uh, be wearing, you know, all three cup rings and being obnoxious about it. I don't think he would. I also don't think, I also don't think he's going to come in demanding to be an alternate captain either. I think he's smarter than that. I just think, but he's still Patrick freaking Kane. You, you can't help but notice he's there. True. It would be the same thing as if you traded Brad Marchand or David Pasternak to another team. They just have to be themselves. Yes. Um, and they're going to be noticed. Um, I I just can't see I can't see the current Bruins leadership making that trade. I know we're not getting in. We're not getting into deadline talk. But yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't see them making any splash anyway. I think anything is going to be just depth stuff anyway. So, if there's a if there's an interesting UFA forward who can play both wings, who makes around like three million a year, four million a year, and is that perfect middle six guy? That's who Don Sweeney is going after between now and the deadline. It like write it down, folks. Don Sweeney trades for middle six forward who plays both wings uh, between now and the deadline. That's it's what's going to happen. Like it's Don Sweeney. There are very few things more predictable. The only two. (laughs) <laughs> like so and, first thing, and I guess we can jump right into that topic so the first thing we have to look at the first team we'd have to look at is Anaheim since he likes to deal with Anaheim <laughs> well he likes to have. deal with Anaheim Buffalo used to like to deal with him mm-hmm. um, he's dealt with Minnesota I think he burnt out I think he burnt out the Buffalo thing to be honest <laughs> out the Buffalo thing. So there's a twenty. There's a twenty-eight. Hey, there's a twenty-eight-year-old in in Anaheim. Um, yep. He plays both wings. He makes between three and four million dollars a year. Yep. Um, he does have term left on his contract. Okay. And which you, player is this you're talking about? You know him. I know him. He's never seen a shot he didn't like. Frank Petrano. <laughs> it would be a familiar face, and none of the coaches that Petrano disliked are still here. So, <laughs> um, he fits all the criteria you listed. I mean, third line guy, middle six. I wouldn't be bumping him up to top line. He could squeeze onto the second, maybe, but third line type of guy. He fits the bill. I mean, he shoots. I don't know what his stats look like this year. 
I mean, uh, at this point, see. Sweeney 16. has traded with. You're right. He does. He has traded with Anaheim a lot, but he's also traded with the Senators a couple of times. Um, he's traded with the Rangers more than enough. Thank you very trouble, much. Trouble is, I'm looking for teams that are. I mean, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't want to get into this, but I'm looking at teams that. You know, like Ottawa's on the way up. They're not going to trade us any of their young, any of their young talent. They're not going to, you know. I think they would make a trade if they could solidify their back end. Okay. They're not going to take Mike Riley back. We can send them Mike Riley and we can send them Nick Wolf and. uh, Anyway. Just clearing that cap space will be enough. Send us back a couple of draft picks. Okay. But this does segue into something else on the storyboard. Yeah, the big question of the week, or one of the big questions of the week is, over the last three years, has Don Sweeney become a better general manager than he was early early in his tenure? In this time, he has upgraded his coach. Whether that was a willing decision or not uh, is a different question, and it is an upgrade. He's getting more out of the same players. Yeah. DeBrusque quietly withdrew his uh, his trade request. Um, and it's amazing how that happened once Cassidy was gone. I don't know why. <laughs> look, we ha- we saw the indications two years ago when the young players that the Bruins were punting started performing better everywhere else, like literally every other system. What did you say to me pre-show? Certain former, certain former Bruin is actually potentially going to hit 20 goals this year. Yeah. uh, Ryan Donato is, is on pace for 20 goals Mm -hmm. on a not very good team. Well, is that fair to say if they're in a playoff spot or are they finally out of a playoff spot? I don't care. Oh, okay. But yes, you're right. Cassidy being gone. Start talking about very good. I mean, do I expect this team to win at least five games in the playoffs? And that, in that case, the Seattle Kraken. And the answer is no. Do I expect the Seattle Kraken to make the second round? I mean, they are sliding. One game. But they still have a 632 points percentage. So. In the West. In, yes, I know. Squishy. I get it. Anyway, so you're right. Cassidy, Cassidy was unfortunately or fortunate. For whatever reason, Cassidy was polarized. I mean, didn't like even Trent Frederick is blossoming. And I didn't see the growth in Frederick under Cassidy that we're seeing under Montgomery. Is it because he's playing with different line mates? Is it because he's getting consistent play? I think that second one is the most important. He's getting consistent time on a line. Consistent time. It's the fact that he's not being punished for really bad officiating because he got a couple of penalties last year that were clearly blown calls and still would end up being benched for the rest of the game 
and maybe even taken out of the lineup the next game. And you're not seeing that under Montgomery. I'm going to go back to the beginning of this season. Montgomery told him, I want you to hit players and what was it? Hit players and score goals or hit players and shoot the buck. Yeah. He was given his expectations right then. And this is what I want you to do. Hit players, shoot the puck. (laughs) But when you look at it, he's doing so much more. Like, yes, his hitting is probably always going to be there. Like, I expect a Bergeron-like devotion to playing a complete game, um, even to his own detriment. We remember the start uh, game six of the Chicago Blackhawks series. Um, Bergeron starts the game with broken ribs and immediately goes out onto the ice and throws a shoulder check into someone along the boards. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of cushioning there, boys and girls. Um, I think that Trent Frederick would probably uh, try and take his next three shifts if he were impaled. Uh, by a stick all the way through his body um, on the opening shift of the game. Yep. It's, um, not just, it's not just Frederick, though. Look at what he's getting out of Clifton. See, Clifton Clifton is a slightly different case. Clifton wasn't he, being blamed as heavily for bad officiating. No, he just wasn't cast. getting playing time. He was constantly. Well, playing time, the playing time is huge. Part of that was necessity at the beginning of the season when you had Grizzly and McAvoy out. Yes, but he's earned his spot now. Oh, you absolutely. Can't ta- but you, he's also you, you can't take also, him out of the lineup. Yeah, he's also about to hit the two hundred the two hundred game mark, so he's closer to that um, that magical turning point that has been noted for years. Um, among uh, NHL players where, or among NHL defensemen yeah, where you hit that 200 game mark and you're effectively, you're starting to see, you're starting to show the real player. He's at 193 games today um, with 39 games played this season. And Oh, look at that career highs in assists, career highs in goals, career highs in points. Probably also career high in time on ice. Probably also career high in number of games in a season or getting close to it. No, he played 60 out of 82 last year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And that's – but I think he's blossoming for slightly different reasons or at least less extremes of reason. Um, But talking about Trent, and that's something that I will be happy to do pretty much all the time. um, But it – Watch Trent Frederick – He's yeah. doing more things in all three zones of the ice to contribute to play than I expected to see from him. The other okay. night he had two goals. The second one, a delicious tip, like four inches up the shaft from the uh, from the blade, uh, in front, in motion. He's had a couple of goal scorers goals, the type of stuff that you'd expect, pasta or... Marshan to score. Yes. Um, so it's not like he, like I haven't seen a, any of the ridiculous butt goals or anything like that because he simply happens to be standing in front of the net. Um, no, no, no. That, that one timer that 
a couple of games ago, the one timer that Lindholm dropped to him and he just right, he just rifled it over the glove side of, uh, like I said, two games ago, it was, was it the game before the winter classic? But anyway, beautiful drop pass Lindholm's crossing over. Frederick had actually made the initial shot, skated around, came back around, came back down the slot and just one timed it. Beautiful shot over the glove of the goaltender. Bang. It was it was sweet, hey, to yes, say the least. So he's scoring goal scorers goals. He's not scoring accidentals. He's not scoring, but he's learning that like following up on his own play instead of just taking the shot and skating off or doing. He's learning a lot, and it has to do with Montgomery. Montgomery has to do with Sweeney in some way because we got to tie this back to is Sweeney better now than he was? That was the original question. <sighs> I know you want to talk about Trent all day, but we got to stick to some kind of schedule here. <laughs> Do we have to? No, it's our show. We could talk about whatever we want. Just to put a bow on on Trent, um, he's already got a career high in in goals. He's got nine goals through thirty six games this season, as opposed to eight through sixty last year. Um. And you're right. They're their goal scorers goals. Like I, there's not one that's gone in off his skate or off of his helmet or something like that this year. Not that um, in terms of Sweeney being a better GM, I, mean, I don't know. Because I will say the, the last. I like the last two or three major trades that he made. Yes. I'm still trying to figure out if that, if that bypasses. You talk, you look at the, obviously there's the Taylor Hall trade, which basically was handed to him by Taylor Hall, but he still still made it. He still had the courage to make the trade, even though Taylor Hall had been playing somewhat below his peak. uh, No, <laughs> no, below he had peak, what? Yes. Two goals and how many games? No, he yes. wasn't playing below his peak. He was playing terrible. Yes. How dare you say that? Um, and then obviously <laughs> the uh, the trade for Hampus Lindholm, who was, the first 15, 18 games of the season, which was being celebrated by me. Yes, was probably the best player in a Bruins uniform, and that's. That's saying a lot. Um, I think I think I reluctantly have to say mostly. I mean, the issue is the and and I said it pre-show. The issue is who is who who was seriously responsible for bringing in. Montgomery, Cause, unfortunately, because I don't know if that's a Sweeney thing. I mean, well, there's two parts to that. We know that Sweeney didn't want to part with Cassidy. Exactly. Which I think that was a he. I think he was told by somebody in no uncertain terms that either he's going to be going or they're both going to be going. Yes. Um, my. Uh, now, whether he whether okay, Cassidy is one issue. If he picked Montgomery, 
I think that's a clear win so far. Because there were other candidates out there, some of whom I think he should have interviewed. We both know I consider John Tortorella a national treasure. <laughs> yes, he should be honored, revered, treasured. <laughs> um, and uh, there were even a couple of coaches, a couple of college coaches, I mean, UMass and U, uh, UMass Amherst and UMass Lowell coaches, who I really think someone should be talking to. The one in UMass Lowell, yes. There's no way in, in, in hell or anywhere else that Don Sweeney would have been able to handle Totorella, though. Just saying. No, their personalities are just too different. Totorella would eat him up. <laughs> I, I think that the biggest – if we're going to be generous, and I find it difficult with Don Sweeney because he's made so much – so many dumb moves. Yes. And there's there's no other way around – some of the calling some of them dumb, um, particularly not when you look at some of his drafting. Um, but if you uh, rolling, let's see. If you look at this year's draft class, you have Matthew Portois, uh, you had Cole Spicer, you had Doc, uh, uh, Dan's Lock Mellis, um, those were second, fourth, and fourth uh, picks. Those are pretty solid guys. We saw them at Dev Camp. Uh, Portois was earned Player of the Night last week. Cole Spicer, I want to say he was near the top of his team in scoring earlier this year when I looked in on him. Um, you say Portois? No, Poitras? You mean Matt Poitras? Matt Poitras, yes. Okay. Uh, not I, knew, I knew who you were talking about. I just wanted to clarify. Um, those are definitely better picks than in certain years past. Well, isn't it Sell, The first round pick in 2021. Yes. Almost certainly the best pick that he's made uh, probably since... Can we can we honestly say that I, I, I'm not trying to disagree it's, to disagree, but can we honestly say that since he hasn't played a game in the NHL yet, do we have to acknowledge that Swayman might be the best pick he's made so far? Of players to make it into the NHL or in the last three years or overall? Oh, and oh, we're still talking. Oh, we capped it the last three years. Okay, fair enough. Uh, last three years, it's got to be either him or Lowry then, even though Lowry yeah. was a complete shock to everybody, including you and me. Um, we were like, he's who? I mean, I haven't asked that question since Pasternak, but Mason who? Mason. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have a first round pick that year. Mason was our first pick in the second the, round. You could make a really strong case that he's actually he, in his first five years. His first several years, because you're going back to the 2015 draft. Oh, goodness. Um, has really only made three strong picks. Would be DeBrusque. Yeah. Carlo. Yeah. Well, maybe four. DeBrusque, Carlo, Swayman, um, and, oh, God, who was the, oh, McAvoy. 
the Hall of Famer. Okay. I mean, he did draft Ryan Lindgren, but then yeah, he but then he traded play. him away to then he traded him away to the Rangers. Brilliant Which move that was. Completely invalidates it. Yes, um, thank you. Because you're if you're trading someone that quickly, you're you're not expressing great confidence. Well, who did um, we get back? Wait, wait, wait. Who did we get back in that deal? Yeah, don't don't go there. It's it's scary, sad, and unfortunately, his career didn't end well. So it should have been. They had drafted the guy that from that team that I wanted. That guy would likely still be in a Boston Bruins uniform. Yes, we know that. You, we know you 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 really like Keandre Miller, and so do I. But uh, actually, that for that trade, it would have been Zuccarello. We acquired Zuccarello for... No, we acquired Rick Nash. Yeah, that's what I was trying to avoid. But I wanted Zuccarello. At that particular year, yes, Zuccarello was having a huge season, if I remember correctly. And he's still A in the NHL. Uh, Last year, he still had 79 points in 70 games. Um, In 2021, he had... 35 points in 42 games. Mm-hmm. Um, he had in his last playoff appearance last year, he had four points in six games. Um, he still get a much better points percentage in the playoffs. than <laughs> the guy they did take. Well, the guy they did take uh, not a playoff performer. I didn't understand acquiring him at the trade deadline for, Oh wait, the playoffs when he was not a playoff performer. I mean, what was he? third of a point per game in the playoffs or something like that. Literally there are third and fourth line guys who are more productive in the playoffs than him. Yeah. He was not very, and, and and I don't want to speak ill. I mean, I still, I know that he retired because of the truth, but it is, yes, it is the truth. He was not very good in the playoffs. Period. Um, what, but but does all this mean that he – I mean, I guess he's better, but do we have to acknowledge that maybe it's not all him? Maybe he's got somebody else where I, – I mean, it, it's just too drastic a change compared to what he's done before the last three years to suddenly be making the Hall deal, to suddenly be making the Lindholm deal and not giving away the farm while doing it. Because that was the problem with the Rick Nash deal is that he gave away everything. Oh, he, he gave yes. away picks. He gave away prospects. He gave. I mean, did he get? So he got rid of. He managed to get them to take uh, the one that I didn't like because I thought he was too slow and and too. Eh. Matt Valeski, yeah. Valeski, thank you. He was the one part of the deal that I didn't cry over, but. Is there somebody working with him that I, I, I don't know if I can say with any degree of certainty that he's definitely better now. The well, moves are better now, but is, as general as the general manager, your job is to make sure that the right things happen, not necessarily to be 100 uh, percent. The the mover and shaker of them. And. So while I would prefer that he actually, you know, 
I would prefer that the general manager actually be that guy. Um, I don't necessarily require them to know every prospect and every and every NHL player. Um, I think I reluctantly have to say that, yeah, Sweeney has been better in the last three years than he was in the first five or so years of his tenure. It's not a drastic improvement, but like Chiarelli, I can at least point to an error an an area of strength for him. I think he's making better trades when he makes them. Um, and I, I have more hope for the draft picks at this point. He is responsible for Linus Allmark. He's responsible for Linus Allmark. He's responsible for Taylor Hall. He's responsible for, um, a Hampus Lindholm. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on Zaka versus Hala. Uh, they're playing in different systems. I, I Hala is less. I mean, Zaka is less. Less, yeah. Less meh than I was expecting him to be. But he's not a game changer. And I think that Hala had the potential. I, I watched games while Hala was a member of the Boston Bruins and said that, yes, he's having a, a major impact on this game. I can't think of a game I watched this season where I said, oh, wow. Pavel Zaka is the best Bruins forward on the ice. Or Pavel Zaka is making me want to vote for him uh, as seventh player. Now that doesn't make, as I said, that, that doesn't make Pavel Zaka a bad player. And cap considerations do come into it. Um, I think that this postseason is going to decide whether Don Sweeney is general manager at the draft. If the Bruins get in and my worst fears and all of our worst fears are realized and they have a really poor showing or even just a poor showing and bounce out the second round, Don Sweeney is not general manager and, uh, when the draft happens, if they at least win one game in the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. I think Don Sweeney's probably still around next season. And obviously, a cup will get you at least two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the it's amazing what you the value you can put on on winning in the playoffs is not so much in monetary terms, but in terms of how much longer you can keep your job. 
I mean, I'm looking at his draft picks, and it, it's not like he's had stellar drafts. No, no. But I mean, when you look at the at 2015 and absolutely call it a a benchmark low of performance, which it was, um, you can almost only go up from there. The Trump, The thing is, I don't. Is uh, I'm going to say something that's completely goes against everything even I believe in. Is 15 the worst draft? Zaboral is now Zaboral has played in the NHL. Debraska is, I'm going to guess, if not the best pick of that draft, then Carlo in the second round would be. Uh, Senishin played what three? I mean, he's not. Eh. Yes, they took. Uh, Bergeron 2.0, but they got Lausanne, who they were able – they got Vladar, who they were able to trade away. You have to wait it based on the, fir- on the first round. You're supposed to succeed heavily with your first-round picks. I mean, 16, our first-round pick was some guy named Trent. Oh, he was the second first-round pick. The first first-round pick in 16 was some guy named Hall of Famer. So 16, definitely better than 15. McAvoy, Frederick, yeah. Uh, Erho Vakanainen in 17, first-round pick. Poor could, kid couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, and still managed to net us uh, Hampus Lindholm, so <clears throat> I guess... No first-round pick in 18. Our first pick was in the second round. That was Axel Anderson. <laughs> that, didn't he end up traded almost immediately? No. Actually, Anderson was traded. Uh, did he also go? He went west as well, I think, to Anaheim. Although they never used him. But he went west somewhere as well. It wasn't immediately. He stuck around for a couple, for a little bit. He never played in the NHL for us, but. I don't know that he's ever played in the NHL, period. um, No, he's not. Uh, He's playing this year for the San Diego Gulls. That's um, Anaheim's affiliate. I believe so. Um, four hmm. points, uh, one, three, and four plus eight or plus four rather. Trade history. He was traded to the Ducks. Oh, he was he was the on he was he was part of the Andre Kasha deal. He and Bacchus were traded along with a first round pick for Andre Kasha. Oops. And Andre Kasha, that was a bad trade. The and thing is, when healthy, Kasha is a good player. I mean, he was healthy for Toronto, and they were like ecstatic. Yeah, then but he, then he got hurt. Healthy. Yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. That I don't know if he's event retired at all, but yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. Um, John uh, Beecher Kasha first round is he's in Carolina this year. He's made it into one game. Oh, there you go. Beecher in nineteen hasn't played in the NHL yet. In fact, just finished up his college career, so he's in Providence. Uh, 20, no first round pick. First pick was second rounder Mason Lowry. He's at Ohio State. 
Uh, Fabian Lysel, 21. He's in Providence. And no first-round pick in 22. First pick was second-round Matthew Poitras, who we talked about. So it's going to be interesting because, yeah, that was the, the this past one. We had Poitras and Luck Mellis and obviously the year before we had Lysel and Harris. I'm just, I'm not sold on Sweeney and yet here I I am trying to defend him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I never said this was, is this a question of is Don Sweeney now a good general manager? I just asked if he was better the last three years than the previous part of his tenure. And I I guess the answer is yes. I guess the answer would have to be yes then. Yeah. Because whatever, however much I disagree with a lot of his moves, because they're dumb, he's not actually stupid. He might be acting on poor information or with trust in the wrong place or just not giving enough scrutiny to things. But he's not actually stupid. He did. He did manage to trade Studnika earlier this year and not take on any salary on the cap, actually, which is kind of hard to do when you're only trading away seven hundred sixty-two thousand dollars. Poor Studnika. But still managed to not take on any additional money because no DiPietro, uh, Michael DiPietro, and Jonathan Myrenberg both have zero dollars assigned to them cap-wise. And guess what? Yeah. He went to Vancouver, and he's already hit uh, career high in goals. Gee. Change of pace, uh, less pressure of, a, of an original six, uh, top five hockey market. Uh, I mean, playing in Boston is not for the light of heart. Well, are you calling Vancouver a top five hockey market? No, I'm saying he's no playing in Boston oh. was like a top is. I mean, it's an original six team here. Boston fans know what they're. I mean, they have expectations. They know their hockey. Well, at least they like to think they do. But they, it, it, it's a it's it's a it's a passionate fan base. Yes, I don't know if I get that same passion out of Vancouver. I don't know. They're pretty passionate about bashing their players. Um, Which is terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is. They, I know they're muckraking JT Miller right now like you wouldn't believe on Twitter. Well, it, it's as much JT Miller's contract. But, I mean, Bo Horvat has been on the trade block since like three seconds before he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elias Pedersen is occasionally the whipping boy in town. Um, they talk about moving nearly everyone. Oh yeah, everybody's on the trade on a regular basis. Everybody's on the trade. You know, everybody's on the trade block in in Vancouver. They're trying to trade Bo Horvat. They're trying to trade um, who's the other one there. Everyone? Number six, Brock Besser. Oh, Brock um, Besser, of course. Bo Horvat, Brock Besser. They've already traded Tyler Mott. I mean, they, they're they trying to – everybody everybody up there is like 
yeah, he's going to get moved. He should get moved. He could get moved. JT Miller, oh, we shouldn't have signed him to this deal. But last year, when he was the only, when he was the best player on the ice, it was why isn't he signed? 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 Yeah, all season. All season, exactly. Literally all season. I don't get it. I don't think I'm supposed to get it, but the more I try to understand it, the more my brain hurts sometimes. Um. <laughs> so, yes, I don't understand Vancouver, but. Let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the major milestones that have happened in the last week and that are on I the like, horizon. I like milestones. Leon Dreisaitl, Germany's new uh, favorite son. I thought that was Tim Stutzla. Uh, Tim has some catching up to do. Oh, okay. Um, and if there's any serious competition for Leon in, in the NHL, it might just be him. Although there is that defenseman uh, somewhere in flyover country. Really? Uh, yeah, the one the I think the Red Wings drafted. Which one, Cider? Yeah, Moritz Cider. Yeah, he. Yeah, you know what? He could put a spanner in the works. Zell. Uh, so Drysital, four hundred career assists. That's four hundred career assists for Drysital. That's uh, not exactly a small number. Uh, no, uh, which is good because his contract is also not exactly a small number. Very true. <laughs> Very true. It's not quite the same as, you know, his buddy slash teammate. But not a small number. So Leon Dreisaitl to date has 597 NHL games. So. Three games from now, you can expect his 600th, hurrah, and 402, 402 assists in that time period. Wow. So he'd basically be at the number two center points percentage without ever having scored an NHL goal. He'd be at that two-thirds of a point per game which is where you see most number two centers for his career without ever having scored a a goal. Mm -hmm. Now he has a, he has a pair of 55, a 50 goal seasons to his, to his credit um, back in the 1819. And then of course in the last season in the 2021, where he had 55 goals, 55 assists in just 80 games. Again, which, no, no small numbers. Which would, which is a 110 point career total would be really, really nice. Except for the fact that he was actually a better play. Well, he was more productive on a per game season uh, basis in the 1920 season, where he played in just 71 games and picked up 110, 110 points. So yes, there is a, there, the, the, the difference between the two seasons, though, is that. I think Dreisaitl's learned to be a better two-way player. I mean, 
he's he was a minus seven in 1920 when he got 110 points. He was a plus 17 in 21-22 where he got 110 points. Now, obviously, there's other personnel on the team. Uh, Stuart Skinner might. Uh, you know, there's other reasons why he would be a plus 17, but I think he's become a better two-way player over the course of his career. I'm not saying he wasn't a good one to begin with. And in case you're wondering, uh, sometime about just under 200 points ago, Leon Dreisaitl passed Marco Sturm to be the top scoring German player of all time. Uh, Jochen Heck is number three. Christian Erhoff is number four. Uh, For those of you who are. He's a defenseman, by the way. What? Erhoff, Christian Erhoff. He's a defenseman. Yes. So Uh, to be fourth on the list is kind of impressive. Yep. Um, those of you who are slightly older will remember the name Yui Krupp. He is still fifth on the list at 281 points. Yui Krupp, damn. Um, Dennis Seidenberg, Marcel Gosh, Tobias Ryder. And let's now remember the fact that there are at least 44 players from Germany who have played in the NHL. Over the last hundred years or so. Okay. Tim Stutzla is already number nine in school. <laughs> um, Maurice Sider is already number 14. And Nico Sturm, no relation uh, to Marco, is number 16. Yeah, we got to watch them both here in Boston, though. Um, other other milestones, other milestones. Ooh, that's not what I needed to do. Um include yes sorry I accidentally closed my tab um <laughs> other milestones Oliver Ekman Larson 300 assists OEL um poor Oliver Ekman Larson has wasn't been stuck there a, on he's wasn't there a time he was going to come to Boston he's also stuck in Vancouver <laughs> yes <laughs> again 300 not a small number Um, 886 games played between the Coyotes and the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Poor dude. Like, 31 years old at this point and has play, has seen the playoffs twice. Both of them with Arizona. Now, isn't that a little bit surprising? Uh, or both of them with the Coyotes, I should say, because in 11-12, when he saw the first... They were Phoenix. He had that first magical run. They were still Phoenix. Yeah. But all of 25 playoff games to the man's name, after having, at, at the at the 2010 U-20 uh, World Juniors, five points in six games, he kind of... I mean, he was drafted sixth overall in the 2009 draft. A lot of people will say that he hasn't lived up to his potential, but I think that the fact that he's legit spent his team, his time on terrible teams, has a lot to do with that. Um, 
were there other players who you can make the argument are better than him drafted after him? Sure. Um, you, you don't need to look any further than number 11, uh, Ryan Ellis. Uh, I'm not sure how many people would take. Ryan Ellis. Uh, it would take Ekman Larson over Ellis, but, uh, it's not a large number. The rest of that draft after that point. The O nine 9 draft. Not exactly a memorable one. I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain trying to think of who was the number one pick in 9 Jonathan Tace. Or John Tavares, rather. It was Tavares, oh. Hedman, Duchesne, Kane. How did I not remember Hedman? That's terrible. Braden Shen, OEL, Nazem Kadri, the ever-memorable Scott Vlenny. That was a Vander Keen's year. Wow. I need to brush up on my 2009 draft. I literally just said that. I know you did. I'm aware of that. Um, but not a huge... I mean, there are some really good players, but I think that the... I mean, clearly Hedman is headed for the Hall of Fame. I don't know that anyone else in that draft class is, though. Decent uh, defensemen. I'm not saying Hall of Famers, but decent defensemen. Dumoulin oh, was in the second round. Orlov was in the second round. There's strong players, but not... Braden McNabb in the third. I mean, it's a decent draft. I'm, I, I, it's actually not... It, it's the not the worst terrible. draft I've ever seen. No, um, but going back to milestones. Yeah, we'll stay on topic for a change. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Craig Anderson is three games away from the 700 mark. <laughs> I, I think he should be the. I think he should be the mascot for Two Man Fortune. <sighs> Maybe. Yunus uh, <laughs> Corposalo uh, is one game away from 200 played. Sergei Bobrovsky, five games away from 350 wins. Wow. James Reimer is one win away from his 200th. Lena Solmark is two wins away from his 100th. Um, Jonathan Quick uh, needs three shutouts for 60. I don't know if he's going to get there on that. Not on that team. Um, minutes played, Craig Anderson, uh, is 453 away from the 40,000 mark. Time immemorial. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Craig, Anderson, Craig Anderson is 453 minutes away from getting a free set of steak knives. <laughs> Brent Burns, nine games away from uh, 1300. Wow. David Krejci is four games away from his 1000th. That's going to be a celebration. Uh, yep. James Van Riemsdyk, two from 900. Jordan Eberle, four from 900. Eric Johnson, five from 900. Um, Taylor Hall just played in his 800th. Woohoo! Uh, Nick Benino is one away from his 800th, and Roman Yossi is two away from his 800th. Um, yeah, those guys are never coming back. <laughs> And let's see, dropping down to goals, goals, goals. Steven Stamkos, 
two goals away from 500. Really? Yep. Go wow. more that. Two goals away from 200. Artemi yeah. Panarin, two goals away from 200. Brendan Gallagher, two goals away from 200. Uh, Mark Stone, four games, four goals away from 400, uh, 200. A lot of 200s out there. Yep. Both um, two goals Eric, away. Two goals away from 200. He'll unfortunately still get them as a Canuck before he gets yeah. straight to the to the Bruins. Anyway, Eric Stahl just hit his 600th assist. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is one assist away from 600. Um, let's see. Cam Fowler one assist away from 300. Jake Gensel just got his 200th career assist. William Carlson and Ryan when, Ellis are both one assist away from 200. When are they going to give? When are they going to give Jake Gensel that um, Con Smythe they own? Uh, next time, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Anthony Sorelli and Danton Heinen have both hit 100 assists in the last couple of games. Um, and then Jake DeBrusque, who's uh, unfortunately going to have to wait a little bit, given that he's out four weeks. Um, Two assists away from 100. Uh, did we have any? Did we have any clue that he was hurt? Watching when I was watching well, the, the Winter Classic, as far as I, I, know, I thought it was the memory says it's the non-load-bearing bone in his leg. It's his leg or his hand? I thought it was his hand or his I wrist. I thought it was a lower body injury. Because he was walking around in a boot. Clearly, folks, this information is <laughs> even fra- even uh, confusing to us because I could have swore he said something about his hand. Um, but I don't remember his hand being hurt at the All Star at the Winter Classic. No. Anze Kopitar, one from eleven hundred points. Ooh. Blake Wheeler, seven from uh, 900 points. And that's, uh, let's see, that's pretty much all the milestones right now. Um, Also worth talking about. Bo Horvat, uh, as we talked about real briefly earlier on the trade block, as usual. Um. Merrick and uh, Friedman um, listed Horvat, Jacob Chikrin, also always on the trade block, um, as well as Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. Um, Friedman believes that the Canucks are going to reach out to Horvat and see if uh, a deal can be done. I don't see it happening with all the horse mucky that's gone on in that city lately. Um, and he wonders if the Seattle Kraken might be interested. I, I mean, they should be. In Bo Horvat. Yeah. Because they without, should looking, be. without looking, who is the Kraken's best center? Matty Benyers. Today, is Matty Benyers better than Bo Horvat? 
Matty Benyers being a rookie. Um, probably not. And I don't even know if I'm right about Matty Benyers. I'm just, uh, it's just the first name that popped into my head as far as I'm trying to think of who else they have for centers. Everly? No. Is Everly even a center? Everly plays center. I don't know that I would quantify him as a center. Right. That's on. Like, he can do it. It's like Tyler Sagan really wants to be a center, but it never sort of actually, works out. Actually, Everly's, list, Everly's listed as a right wing. Um, Wenberg. Who the heck is there, Tom? It, it, it must be Benyers. They, they don't have anybody else listed that I would say, oh, my God, that he's a really good center. Well, yeah, he's in through 38 games. He's got 30 points. So 14, 16 and a plus nine. Uh, he's third on the team in scoring um, their next. In terms of points, their next best center is Yanni Gord. He was a good player in Tampa Bay. I just wonder if in a bottom of, six role. I also wonder if Yanni Gord wasn't a. Uh, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. I'm wondering if the fact that he was on Tampa Bay didn't suddenly add five or seven points to his total by virtue of he was no, on Tampa Bay. I don't think it did. I mean, he's he's at point six two points per game. Um, so 23 points in 37 games. Okay. That's, that's in the range of a number two center. But okay. if you're asking me. If you're asking me if I think a poll of all the NHL head coaches and assistant coaches, if if I ask them to rank all of the number two centers in the league, do I think that he'd come in on the top third or top half of those number two centers? My answer is no. And I expect the, poach, the coaches poll would be at least 60, 70 percent to that. OK, um, not I just disagree, not disagreeing. I mean, I, I think Matty Benyers is probably their top center. Is Bo Horvat better? I think by virtue of his experience and if I don't know what his face off numbers are, but I think that, yes, Bo Horvat would be better. If you can have those two as your number one and two centers and you can slide mm-hmm. Yanni Lord to his natural third role, third line role, which is where I think he should be. Yeah. Uh, I think you instantly improve the club. Yes. Um, I would be inclined to agree with that. Absolutely. Now, if you ask the same question about Yanni Gord as a third line center, I think there's, I think he's in that top third, that top half as the number three C in at least half the goal and at least half those coaches. I think that's more – I mean, he's definitely a middle six center. I think that he's more uh, – he's more inclined – I think he's he's better fit on the third line than he is on a second. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of years where, yes, he, he clearly got the advantage of playing in Tampa Bay because um, you go back to that 17-18 season where he was – um, where he had 64 points um, or even the 18-19 season where he had 48. Mm-hmm. Both, both of them were 20-plus goal seasons. Um, last season he played – last season he had 48 points in 74 games with 21 goals. So 
he's not he, no one no one in their right mind is going to consider him a terrible player but he's not a better center than Bo Horvat he's not a better center than Matt no. and look I if something happened to Charlie Coyle uh, I would say Yanni Gord even at 31 would be on my short list of players to go get even though I would prefer someone a little meatier than his five nine hundred and seventy four pounds. Not that you can not that you can tell that that's his size when you watch him play because he does <laughs> a certain level of assertiveness. Um, but that's that's one of the destinations that Friedman listed. It's an interesting thought. I'm trying to figure out what Seattle would be willing to part with. I don't know what they've got in their mind. I mean, I mean, if you're looking, if it's a sign and trade or a trade or a sign, then trade one way or the other. Um, and I can't imagine just getting him as a rental, even though you're going to the playoffs for the first time in your history. Uh, you look at prospects. I mean, one person in the comments suggested Bo Horvat for Shane Wright. I don't see that happening. Um, and particularly not where Horvat is. Horvat would absolutely have to be signed for at least two more years, uh, in order for that deal to make any sense whatsoever. Um, you've got. You know, I look at the rest of their prospect pool, and it's not—it's not particularly enlivening. I mean, Jesper Froden is not not moving the needle. No. Joey Decord is not moving the needle. Unfortunately, um, not that there's not that their starting goaltending is. Mm, Neither one of them has a 90 save percentage. So, I mean, saying that Joey Decord isn't moving the needle. I mean, their current goaltending tandem on the big club isn't exactly lighting it up either. They're holding it together, I guess. But In Vancouver? Oh, Decord. I thought he was with Seattle. He is with Seattle. But if, in terms of guys going back the other way in a Horvat change. Mm. Oh, as far as moving the, moving the needle on the trade. Okay, yes. Okay. I, I don't see anyone other than Wright or ben, or Matty Beniers who and who makes, makes sense. They're not trading Shane. Um, they're not trading Wright. No, sorry. Uh-uh. No. Uh, Ron Francis likes his job too much. I don't think he's. Uh, I think that you can. I think that you can make. Career suicide makes sense, but I don't know that Vancouver is going to give them that trade. No, Vancouver is going to want Shane Wright. Vancouver is going to, but they're not getting Shane Wright. (laughs) Sorry, it's not happening. That's why I don't think that I don't think Bo Horvat's going there. I mean, you look at the top three young forwards for the Canucks. And all three of them have been on the trade block at some point in the last year, at least according to the venting that happens in Vancouver. Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, and Bo Horvat. Every one of them has been 
And to be honest, I don't know why they're so willing to give up on, on Patterson either. I don't Everyone. get it. Yeah, Vancouver does not make sense to me. But uh, look, I I still point at Vancouver, um, and as much of a mess as this team has been for a very long time, if the players keep changing and it's still a mess, and the coaches and general managers keep changing and it's still a mess. That means it's either the fault of the fan base or the fault of um, someone else. I, I forget. Ownership. Oh, right. I forgot it can be their fault. Um, but, but can it be? Uh, yes. Yes, it Excellent. can. Um, UFA Watch, one of the other players who is perpetually on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Matthew Dumba. Again, I don't understand what Minnesota is doing here. Based on their on their cap situation, I completely understand why he's still on set. You look at their you look at their roster right now today. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only defenseman of the seven that have skated for them this year who they don't have a claim on for next season. Okay, uh, Kalen Addison is an RFA at the end of the year. But he's almost irrelevant um, in terms of things. They have four, five, uh, four UFA forwards, Matthew Boldy, Sam Steele, uh, Brandon Duheim, and Mason Shaw. Mm-hmm. UFA forwards, Ryan Reeves and Freddie Goudreau. But they're, they're not going to have that much cap space to do their wheeling and dealing next year. They still have 14 million in dead cap buyout space from Parisian Suter. Um, their projected cap space for, uh, for next year is at this point is a whopping 16 million uh, with only 13 players signed uh, for the season to get to get Dumbo a raise over his six million, it, it, the math doesn't work. Period. Right. It, it, he's. I think the Dumba is going to be elsewhere. Um, which means. Which is sad for Minnesota because he plays a lot of minutes. Yes. I mean, he's only third in shorthanded time on ice. Doesn't really pay, play power play time, but at five on five, dude is on the ice more than anyone. Um, I, I think that he's going to end up elsewhere. I mean the the only the only defenseman that has I mean statistically the only defenseman that is quote unquote better than Matt Dumba is Spurgeon. Because he's got nineteen. Because he's got nineteen points, and Matt Dumba only has production from the back end. Though it's it's kind of sad. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I I, Matt Dumba doesn't do power play. Doesn't do. But Matt Dumba's also 
four years younger, five years younger than Spurgeon. So And Spurgeon is their captain. And that's fine. I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I'm not. I'm just saying that you're going to, again. It's kind of like St. Louis letting the better goaltender go. Why? I have no idea. Because Bennington's the one that won, was in that when you won the when you when you won a cup, so you can't get rid of him. I don't know. But you're going to let the younger defenseman, who's going to give you more longevity, because you can't re-sign him or don't want to attempt to re-sign him. I, I, it, I'm, I'm a little baffled. I, I don't, I, what's his, uh, the, the Billy Guerin. I, I, I'm surprised that he's not even going to make an attempt. He doesn't, or I'd be, or I would be surprised if he didn't make an attempt. Okay. Who is he moving in order to keep, in order to keep, uh, Dumba? Hmm. Is he going to move Kaprizov? No. No. Uh, Zuccarello has a Makes no movement sense. clause. Brodine is signed through your favorite phrase. Yes. Um, Joel Eriksson Eck? Yeah, yeah you got to find money. And, and that's the thing is there's nobody on this team that has the kind of money to move to fit him. You're right. It's all dead cap. I mean, Joel Erickson Eck is anyone who's looking maybe for you can, a two-way center. Maybe you can get Arizona to take <laughs> – I mean, the thing is, Suter's already gone. Oh, wait, so so's Parise. Yep. Oh, shoot. You can't it's even trade. Yeah, you can't do anything with that money. Oh, no. Yeah, Minnesota is – Minnesota is – Billy, like, Billy, Billy. $14 million bucks for the next two seasons – two and a half seasons. Like, that's not even his fault. That was <laughs> – I know. I'm just saying. Oh, my goodness. So – I didn't, didn't realize. So Parise and Suter, who came home, you know, they, they were coming home together because they're both from Minnesota, and they're going to sign these identical contracts – yeah, now you've managed to screw over your hometown team. <laughs> now, we were talking a couple of weeks back, and it may have been last week, about making trades to fix last the biggest trade of the offseason. Mm-hmm. Not sure exactly how they would accomplish it unless uh, it's players for players. You know, maybe they're sending Brandon Montour and prospects back in exchange for Dumba. But Florida, giving Florida Ekblad and Dumba makes your right side really, really good. I know you love trading people to Florida. Yes, I do. And that's fine, but what's I, I don't I, Florida is another team that doesn't make sense to me. Um. Okay. Here's another team who could definitely use him. 
like it would make their it would make their goaltenders present and future probably want to fly out to Minnesota and pack his house for him. Um, But there's there's 30 other NHL teams that are in that position. Yes, I'm talking about one of those other teams. This team absolutely needs better defense if they're going to and better goaltending if they're going to make it to the playoffs next year and the year after. They have Toronto. Uh, Toronto wouldn't know what to do with a good defenseman. I, I've been saying that for many years now. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and actually, I feel I, bad for Jake Muzzin. <laughs> uh, no, I sh- I shouldn't. But I I've overspoken about the goaltending in this city, uh, in the other city, not very far from Toronto, but um, Ottawa, Buffalo, at Dumba. Added to Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Yeah, they had Ristolainen, so. Because uh, Owen Power plays both right and left, as does mm-hmm. Dahlin. Yeah. Add that to Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and the resurgent Kylock Boso and the and Alex Tuck. And you've got a complete, got a scary scary team. Okay. I can, I can see that. I mean, and they have all the cap space. They need to do it. That's the key right there. Like Buffalo could straight up trade. All could straight up trade picks for, uh, for him. They could trade. If they really wanted to, they could trade all three of their second round picks for Matt Dumba as a rental. Actually, if they trade, if they manage to pull that that's trade heart, off, that's heartbreaking to do it as a rental. Though you'd want to trade him, and you'd want it as a sign and trade. It, it would not. It would be. It would be kind of dumb to do it as a rental. But just hypothetically, even if they did it as a rental tomorrow, so Monday the ninth, they make that trade. Mm-hmm. Right now. Today, Buffalo is only four points out of a playoff spot. The, it would be the one, the, the number two wild card, which would put them up against Boston. Guess what? They've already beaten Boston at least once this season. Yeah. You give them a, a, a more viable defense without subtracting from the offense. No one's going to want to play them in the first round or the second round. You're just not going to want to play them. And let's face it, if someone is going to catch the Islanders for that third spot or for that last spot, Mm -hmm. and you ask me whether it's Pittsburgh as is or Buffalo with Dumba, I'm picking Buffalo with Dumba. Buffalo with Dumba for certain, yeah. And it's not not even close. So you mentioned mentioned this guy's name – a few minutes ago during our milestones, but care to guess what Craig Anderson's safe percentage is this year? I actually saw it and it's absurd <laughs> given how bad the defense in front of him. <laughs> I mean, he's got a 923 safe percentage. The defense in front of him is terrible. What, yes. Like, yes, the team is ridiculously fast, but they still don't know where they're supposed to be most of the time. 
Um, and that's that's the issue. Um, He's 41 years old. He's got a 923 save percentage behind that defense. And dude has seen more rubber than good here. Yes, I understand. I want to put him in the Hall of Fame just for that. <laughs> um, just for the for those wondering at home, Craig Anderson on Buffalo. Buffalo has the fifth best save percentage in the league. <laughs> And I do not say this as a joke. I do not say this as a joke. Vote Craig Anderson for All-Star. Oh, yeah. Get him in. Seriously. Vote Craig Anderson for All-Star. Like, of all the players in the league who have never been there. Wait, he's only making one and a half million dollars? Yes. Craig Anderson for All-Star. Yes. Like, statistically, he deserves to be there. Wait, their backup actually makes more money than Craig Anderson. Eric Comrie, who's injured right now, has actually $1.8 million. Statistically, he deserves to be there. Yes. So someone vote for him. Many times. So you can vote many times. I know. That's why um, I said many times. Well, we're talking about voting. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, in the show description, I put the poll up earlier. Um, uh, quick, quick Twitter poll for this week. It'll run through late day Wednesday. Um, with 29 goals through 39 games, where will David Pasternak end the season for goals? Option one, 50 to 59. Option two, 60 plus. Option three, under 50. Um, please vote. Please retweet when you see it, um, just so that your friends and family can vote as well. Um, I think this might be the most interesting Bruins question uh, right now, um, because I don't remember the last time the Boston Bruins had a 60-goal score. Have they ever? I mean, back in the 70s, back in the late 60s, 70s, maybe, with Esposito and... I'm imagining back then, Esposito, Busick. Um, I don't think Nifty ever made it to 60. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to pull out my Bruins history and uh, pull out my Bruins history and have a look because I don't know off the top of my head. It's got to be somebody like an Esposito might have done it or or maybe even Bobby Orr. I don't know. Who Orr had. Esposito had a 76 goals, had 76 goals in 70-71. 68 in 73-74, 66 in 71-72. Okay, so things were different in 74-75. Okay, so things were different back then. Yes, but the last (laughs) 50-goal scorer uh, for the Boston Bruins was indeed Cam Neely. Cam Neely. 93-94, exactly 50 goals. In 44 games. Um, And, yes, an injury-shortened season. That was the yeah, that was the that was the big push that year was whether he would be able to make 50 goals in 50 games. And he did it in either 44 or 49. And I can never remember which I want to say it was 44. I think so, too. So 
so what else do we have? Do we have time for anything? I mean, I don't even, I'm I'm having so much fun. I haven't even looked at a clock and that's probably not a good thing. Uh, We are running a bit heavy on time. When aren't, okay. A, when aren't we running a bit heavy? Um, when we're not recording. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Uh, (laughs) no, I just, I love this question on the board and I feel bad for the guy we're talking about because I don't know if it's fair to compare him, but. Oh, the question I put up uh, for last week uh, on a Twitter poll is Phoenix Copley, who has played and played in the league for or in the system for years. He went undrafted, journeyman goaltender. He's bounced around, been in and out of Washington system. I was going to say originally signed by Washington. Yeah. Um, Is he this year's Jordan Bennington? He's having his best year. The right now he doesn't have well with him right now, based on what's going on in LA, he doesn't have anything to like, he, he can look over his shoulder and there's nothing there or there's nothing in the rear view or there's, I mean, so he's not under immense pressure. I mean, aside from, the whole thing of, you know, it's the LA Kings and, you know, you got to perform. I get that. But if I'm not mistaken, aren't both Petter, aren't both Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick injured? Um, there's got to be a reason he's playing as much as he is. But right now, the LA Kings are still second in the Western, Con- in the Pacific Division. Oh, no. Quick's listed as active. Peterson's uh, hurt. And the 605 points percentage that they're sporting, definitely not terrible. No. Um, the poll was wildly no. Um, and I think that St. Louis fans probably did a lot of voting on that. Just a hunch. Um, admittedly, Phoenix Copley's numbers are not super high. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a par- that the parallel is definitely there. Um, I think if anything the Kings are doing better as a team than the blues were doing as a team in Bennington's first, well, and only successful season. Uh, uh, Phoenix Copley has been bouncing back and forth between having his best uh, save percentage in his career and not, but you know what? He's sticking around the NHL. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe he dials it in a little bit and, uh, at the end of his current contract, he gets to, he gets to stay in the NHL, maybe with the Kings, maybe someplace else. I mean, they're playing and this one really bothers me because I honestly thought, and hopefully he can change, he can turn it around because he's still somewhat young, but Cal Peterson, I thought was going to be the heir apparent. And so did LA at this point in time, Cal Peterson is in the minors and it's Phoenix Copley. That's playing in net for the Kings. That's correct. Ouch. I thought he was injured. He's not injured. He's in the minors and quick is the backup. He was playing terrible. Yes. Or two years in a row. Yes. 37 games last season, 895 save percentage. 
Mm-hmm. Ten games this year, eight sixty-eight save percentage. Your head's not screwed on right when that's happening. Yeah, something's up, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if he got twisted around. I, I, I maybe Jonathan I mean, Quick, was, Jonathan Quick, not going away affected him. I, I honestly don't know what it is. It, it's. I think it's in his head, though. I don't think it's his skill because I've seen him play, and I've seen him at the top of his game, and he looked really really good some of it might actually just be cap i mean cap compliance by the team because no he's not he did not play well in the nhl he's got a good 916 save percentage in the ahl but right now the kings have just barely um 1.6 million in cap space which would not allow his $5 million contract. And that's with uh, Trevor Moore and Arthur Kaliev on the injured reserve, mm-hmm. Jacob Ingram or Ingham on the season opening injured reserve. And then, yeah, uh, with, um, let's see. Well, Peterson is buried and Austin Wagner is buried. So they're still counting against the cap. Um, but only a percentage. It's not the full cap hit. Oh, look. Uh, Dion Pinoff is still on their dead cap. Uh, well, he's in He's in there by a day. owe him a million dollars this year. A little over a Yeah, million. that's hitting them. And then Mike Richards is still getting a comfy salary to not play hockey. <laughs> through the I want that year. job. He is sitting at home on his couch (laughs) making making $900,000. Given that he couldn't uh, couldn't stay on dry island uh, while he was playing. Yeah, I know. Let's hope that he's um, making better use of his cash today. Absolutely. And body and brain, whatever may be left of it. Um, we're going to have to move another question or one of the main questions that we're going to talk about to next week. Okay. Um, that's uh, talking about the Bruins preseason prognostications, which everybody got wrong. Yeah. Anybody who says that they got it right to this point is lying. Um, <laughs> cause I, we all saw that they just weren't going to make, I mean, a lot of people saw the predictions that said they just weren't making playoffs period not not wouldn't be in a playoff position at this time but weren't going to make the playoffs um i think a question worth looking at today uh before we sign off Mm -hmm. uh jeff merrick's show uh always interesting uh, when i get a chance to watch or listen um why aren't why aren't the penguins consistent uh and, oh, this was one of the other destinations for a certain player we just talked about that I thought made a lot of sense, but I don't see happening. You think you think Horvat here or Dumba here? Yes, the latter. Oh, okay. Um, if they, if they need another... one of those two players, it's Dumba. But Well, Jeff true, Merrick, but they also shouldn't have got rid of the – and we'll get into that. Jeff Merrick asked, why are the Penguins struggling to be a consistent top performer this season? And he basically answers his own question. Yes. Um, Because 
Chris and I have talked about this since the dawn of this of the Crosby Malkin era. Malkin has that sixth gear or seventh gear that when he's vexed, when Crosby's out of the lineup, when they are in desperate need of not just excellence, but supremacy, he hits and he's a completely different player than the hall of famer that he normally plays as. Mm-hmm. Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Um, <laughs> and Jeff Merrick calls it the bicycle, uh, the bicycle theory of life, where if you, as long as you keep pedaling, you're not going to fall over while you're moving. It's when you start coasting. That is the issue. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of it. Uh, one of the car commercials calls, it says almost the same thing by calling, by talking about how speed, uh, brings stability. Um, even when you're going through turns and ups and downs, maintaining a constant speed, um, helps you stay grounded. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that because the difference between some players, a game and B game isn't very big. But the difference between everyone's A game and C game is usually much bigger. And right now, for the Penguins, given the age of their core of their core players, mm-hmm. particularly with Latang out of the lineup, they can't play their C game ever. They they literally cannot play it at all right now. Not against the worst team in the league, not against teams who always seem to let the Penguins get in their head. They can't do it. Um, you know, I'm as big a fan of, of uh, Brian Dumoulin as as you can find. Uh, I think he's a really, really, really solid player and probably their best defensive uh, defenseman. Not that they seem to be overwhelmed with the with that particular type of talent. Um, and that's why, yes, I think that Matt Dumba would be a great offseason addition here. I can't see it happening. I don't see it. I don't see it happening because they weren't even willing to give money to John Marino to keep him. And the, and and Shayna Goldman, who is Jeff Merrick's guest on this, actually mentions Marino by name. Yeah. Losing, losing John Marino, losing John Marino to New Jersey was a mistake. That was a Penguins mistake. Um, do you think that John Marino is a better player than Matt Dumba? I don't. I haven't sat down and compared anything. I haven't looked at. I, I mean, I don't think so. I think Matt Dumba is a more complete player at this point. I know he's also been around a little longer. No, I I think uh, well, Dumoulin is thirty one. Um, I'm sorry, you said John Marino. We were talking yes. John Marino. Um, John Marino. Yeah, Dumoulin's been there. He's he's the most consistent, most two hundred foot. He's as much as Latang is the name on the defense. I think Dumoulin is the defense. And yes, I I do consider losing Marino kind of dumb. Marina is Marina was 25. He'll be 26 May 21st. So sometime before the cup goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not prolific in terms of points. He's um, not. He's not an offensive defenseman. Um, but Dumba is only 28 years old. It's not like he's uh, going to. No, I know this. I did. I thought Marino was closer to 24 than 26. I'm... Um. And I wasn't. I wasn't thinking that Dumba was old. I was thinking that Marino was young. Marino's a little bit older than I thought. But I still feel that letting losing him, losing him was not bright. I. I don't disagree, but he's not going to be available to them anytime soon. Well, no. Um, so I think that and he's currently on IR and it's not like, it's not like he cost, I mean, in terms of the NHL, it's not like Marino was expensive. No, he wasn't. I mean, the devils offered him 4.4 million for five years. I mean, it's not over the top crazy. Maybe it was not so much the team losing him as him wanting to go play with guys where the core is closer to his own age and is at least in hope going to be together longer. Cause let's face it. He was I, a, I don't see Crosby and Malkin and Latang all playing five years from now. He was an R he was an RFA. He was one of those RFA trades like they because his trade happened in July of 2022. So his trade happened and the off season. He was a I'm pretty sure he was at one of those RFA trades where you acquire the rights to sign him, you know, as I do air quotes. And he only cost he basically only cost the Devils a third round pick, a third round pick. Ty Smith, also a defenseman. Um, and Ty played. Smith, my apologies. They did get a – was he even a roster player? No, 860. He, um, yes, he did play in the NHL last year. Smith had 66 games in 21-22. Okay. And then they turned around and paid him $4.4 million a year. I, I I think it was a brilliant move on Fitzgerald's part. Solidify your back end and you're hurt and you're taking a player off of a team in direct competition. Both teams being in the East. I mean, it, 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 it brilliant move on Fitz, on, on Fitz's part. Yeah, I, I um, think this is... Uh, or was he Rutherford? Oh, he was Rutherford's part. I'm sorry. On the Pittsburgh end, I think a lot of that was cap compliance, but... Um, I, I think that... I think there's a decent chance that Dumba... I think that Dumba is absolutely someone they should look at because you look at their top two paid defensemen who are currently healthy, Dumoulin and Peterson. No. They're both left defensemen. Um, if your top two right defensemen are Latang and Marino was a okay. and uh, Dumba, you've got two pairs you can work with. Because you can you can you can make Chris Latang a power play specialist lower his 
lower his uh, even strength time. Is that gonna is that gonna make Chris Letang happy? Uh, yeah, I I would assume yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, hockey players are hockey players are a very <clears throat> uh, unique uh, class of individuals. They 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 want to play, and even when they're hurt beyond recognition, they still want to play. And so it makes me wonder if you're willing to cut time off of his minutes per game, is he going to be happy about that? But I guess, I mean, at his age, it's probably better for him, especially where he's still signed forever and ever and ever. Oh, is he that? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He signed until the end of the 27-28 season with Which? no movement clauses this year, <laughs> next year, the year after, the year after that, and then modified no trade clauses for the final two years. And it's only a 10-team trade list, but he also gets a $3.8 million, $3.8 million of his cap hit is uh, as a signing bonus. So you have to trade him between the end of the season and the trade deadline, um, not the trade deadline, free uh, agency. If okay. you want to escape that $3.8 million signing bonus. That's a small window. It it really is. <laughs> That's a small window. And we know that Penguin's ownership right now, probably not going to allow that. Oh, yeah. We, or we Mario already... is not going to allow that. Well, that's why Ron Hextall is GM and not um, – oh, who was it? It wasn't Rutherford. Fletcher? Uh, yes. The <laughs> – Fletcher saying bleep this and leaving was – Yeah, it was – he was not retiring, folks. <laughs> he was just not uh, – Happy? Yeah. <laughs> Not pleased with ownership. <laughs> um, really, 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 really quick. Yeah. Really quick because we're way over at this point. That's all right. Yep. Is the Winter Classic a better hockey game or a better spectacle? I don't know. I thought this year's game was very competitive. I thought it was actually really. I, I thought it was actually pretty good. I think that the NHL wants it to be both. I think they're way more interested in the spectacle. I really are. I really do. Really? You're this not was, that worried about the outcome was, of the game? This was arguably the best game of the Winter Classics in terms of ice, like the way that the ice was uh, curated, the way that the teams uh, played a reasonably structured game, um, and the way that there were less manufactured on-ice moments because people wanted to be first to do it in in the Winter Classic. Okay, but in my opinion, the reason why I'm saying this was better, at one point in the first period, somebody made a comment about 
Enzo wanting more physicality, more like it was almost. I guess you were right. In some instances, the Winter Classic was becoming not quite an All Star game, but it, it was less so than a regular NHL game. He wanted to see physicality. He wanted to see hitting. He wanted to see. I'm like, well, if you want to see hitting, you got the right team out there because Clippy's going to destroy somebody. And I mean, if you really want to see hitting. You need to select those teams at the start of the uh, – you need to select for that if you want to see the physicality and the skill because – and But we were actually getting that level of competition at this particular game. Yes, this was the best – in my opinion – I want to say it's the, the best, best one since. game. But they also – if you're listening to the announcers and sometimes they make the mistake of doing that um, – they spent as much time talking about the Winter Classic and the history of the Winter Classic and what they wanted to see as they did about what was actually happening on the ice. And that, to me, says that it's not about the... But there is a history to the Winter Classic. It's about the spectacle. But there is a history to the Winter Classic. There have been some moments... Yes, the overtime and, and, and by I, the players or the coaches I, or the teams. I mean, the biggest moment being, in my eyes, the last time the Penguins and Bruins played, Sturma scores in overtime. Yes, that was a gorgeous moment. Yes, and it was, it, it was an it was an organic mo- moment. It was, um, unlike the first fight in the in the Winter Classic or some of the other. Or smucky we've seen. As I said, it, it, there have been times where they're trying to make this game like an all-star game, and it's not. It's still a regular season, two points on the line. But yes, so I, I get where you're. Okay, I see where you're coming from. Then, in that instance, yes, I think that for the NHL, the spectacle is more than the game itself because ultimately, it is just a game, and you could be playing this game anywhere else and it would just be a game but because it's the winter classic the spectacle is the the goal or the ideal or what you know the the be all end all i think that this year they had the spectacle and a hockey game broke out that's honestly probably the best description we're going to get of it because i was there, there have been a couple of the winter classics that were absolutely more spectacle than game. I guess the question, I guess the follow up would have to be, how do you change it, or how do you go back to it being a game, making it a game and not a spectacle? Um, do I you think get rid of the winter classic? Is it done? Should you only do one every couple no, of years? No, no, I love the winter classic on the whole. Um, I think that. In general, you probably need to keep it. You probably as much as as much as fans in the smaller markets will hate it because it is a banner event for the league. You need to keep one of the marquee teams in the league in it every year, so that at least one side is pro- is approaching it like they've been there before because they have. I know that next year it's in Seattle. Have we determined who's playing Seattle? 
because I'm assuming that if it's in, in Seattle, Seattle is going to be one of the teams. You're not going to have it in Seattle be, and then be. It almost has to be Chicago, Detroit, or New York. Because let's face it, it's about the ratings. And you need to bring one of the teams that's a marquee. Uh, a marquee that's name. a good point. I hadn't actually thought of that. You can't have, you can't really have it be, unfortunately, be and I Arizona. hate to say this, you can't have it be two West Coast teams. It's not going to be Arizona. It's not going to be Vegas. It's not going to be the Florida Panthers. It's not going to be. Um, Vegas might be. If, I think, unfortunately, I think if they did pick a, a West Coast team, it would have to be Vegas. I don't think any other team moves the needle. It would have no. to be Vegas. Vancouver's not going to do it. L.A., San Jose, Anaheim, none of those teams are going to do it. If you're going to pick a West Coast team, it's got to be Vegas. But I don't think it's going to be Vegas. I, I don't I, think so either. I The only other team the only other team that can move the ratings in terms of going into Seattle, um, and I think it it's more limited. Oh, wait. It's already well, been decided. I was oh, not aware it? of this. Care to take a guess? Nope. Go ahead and tell me. I'm absolutely right. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm okay with that. I mean, like I, I said, probably, if it's going to be a West Coast team, that's the only team that's going to make it, that's going to move the needle. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like, if I were going to pick a team, um, it can't, it almost can't be a Canadian team, even though Toronto's got follower like people who follow the team everywhere um it, it toronto is the only canadian team that really matters right now yes edmund yes i said that edmonton and no i won't apologize if you're gonna have a winter classic involving a canadian and involving a canadian team it's gonna have to be uh it's gonna have to be montreal or toronto is it not an original six? You could do. Could you actually get away with having a winter classic and involving an Edmonton or well, no, a Winnipeg? You for you can you can do the heritage games with two Canadian teams. Yes, but if you do the winter classic with two Canadian teams, you're losing so much in ratings because most Americans don't care about any of the Canadian teams. I think hockey purists again would it would have to be an original sixteen. Look, the two of us will the two of us will watch a high school hockey practice. This is true. That's not it. true for ninety eight and a half percent of NHL fans. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes. Next one, Seattle 2024 at T-Mobile Field, T-Mobile Park, or whatever they call it. Um, T-Mobile Park, yes. That's where the Seattle Mariners play. It's going to be the Kraken against the Golden Knights. And I will watch it because, A, it's hockey. B, it's hockey. C, it's the Golden Knights. Not necessarily in that order. But again, I think that it had to be golden. It had to be Vegas. Um, yeah, Vegas is the only team west of Chicago that makes sense. Colorado? 
No. Really? They're just they. Uh, no. All right. I mean, they're the Stanley Cup champions. I could see them possibly. Last year, they were the Stanley Cup champions. Yes. If you're picking things two years in a row and you looked at their roster situation, um, you had to know that this year was going to be a down year, whether they won the cup or not. Um, I don't think they could have foreseen the injuries, though. I mean, the injuries, no. McKinnon being out. Go, the, outgap, uh, the the loss of talent, yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, by the way, before we sign off, quick congratulations to Victor Hedman. Apparently expecting, haven't seen any news, so I don't know what's happened yet, but uh, he and his wife, their second child is on the way. He actually flew home from, I believe it was Winnipeg on Thursday, Friday. I think it was Thursday to be home with her. So congratulations. Hooray. And at this point, uh, have a wonderful week. Everyone, um, the Hedman family. Um, oh, and cross sports, uh, mention, uh, let's hope the Buffalo bills, uh, oh, oh, DeMar Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin has a complete recovery. Absolutely. Uh, that was a scary situation. Nine minutes of CPR on the field, and then again on the way to the hospital. Um, but apparently, he woke up and was talking uh, and communicating. And they're saying the words that I heard. The only update that I've seen that actually matters is neurologically intact. Uh, there's some worry about his lungs, but neurologically intact is a big deal. Yes. That was one of the first things they said was that he was neurologically intact, but he's now speaking. They removed the breathing tube uh, intubation. So he's – I mean the first thing he wrote down when he was communicating with writing was did, did we, we win? win? <laughs> I mean sports <laughs> figures, sports – athletes, sports figures in general, I, somewhat of a crazy bunch. Hockey players, yes, they're on another level, but sports figures in general, crazy bunch. The first thing he's concerned about, not his health. Did we win? Did we win? (laughs) And the coach said, yes, you're breathing. You won. You won the E1 life. Yeah. Uh, uh, And stop blaming T. Higgins. That's the other thing I want to say. No, look. Hamlin made the tackle. He was the defensive player. Yeah. This is the sort of thing that happens sometimes with physical, with physical sports. Uh, Jerry Lawler, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler several years ago had this happen to him in the ring. He was hit in the chest. Heart stopped. They needed to revive him. Uh, you can, he was tweeting about this, uh, the night it happened. Um, Chris Pronger. I mean, they, 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 they were mentioning Chris Pronger. The one they didn't mention was Rich Peverly, but Rich Peverly wasn't actually hit. He was on the bench when he, when he collapsed. Yeah. He collapsed on the bench. They revive him and being a hockey player, he wanted to go play the game. Yes. Again, crazy. Uh, hockey players. 
But yeah, stop blaming T. Higgins. Uh, Don't blame anyone. It's just, it's just a fact of the game. It's a a collision sport. Collision. Yes. And we can all be glad that it doesn't happen any more often. But definitely a a 100% full recovery uh, we wish for DeMar. And that, uh, boys and girls, is where we'll leave you. Have a wonderful week. Um, vote for uh, Craig Anderson for the All-Star Game. And well, Clippy Hockey for a seventh player award. I don't think he can yet, but I wanted to get that in. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be uh, a goaltender? <laughs> Take care.